Hey, you guys, this is Travis and Stephanie, and um, we're coming to you live from our kitchen. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, but we're recording this because we accidentally didn't record um, our marriage testimony from Sunday. But just to let you know, we are going to be covering the topic of sexual intimacy. We drew the short straw on this. We couldn't get anybody to sign up, but we'll be happy to jump in the deep end with you. But just a caveat before we begin, to put you at ease, we will not be giving details about our sex life because we like you and we want you to continue with re-engage. But anyways, uh, we're so happy to be able to share this with you. We do want to let you know that uh, there is a great book in the Bible that actually gives details of, of the sex life between Solomon and his bride, the Shulamite. And we think it's very important because we know the book is divinely inspired. Um, and we see in it the very goodness, grace, and wisdom of God. Because God created romance and sex and gave it to us as this wonderfully powerful and good gift to enjoy within the confines of marriage. So we're just going to start with this. And by the way, we're going to kind of just give the overall teaching of the Song of Songs and some of the major points it emphasized within this book. So the first thing we learn in the Song of Songs for sure is there is exclusive devotion. Maybe some of you remember your wedding day and what was called the first look. Maybe for some of you that on that wedding, it was in the wedding ceremony where the doors flung open and you saw your beautiful bride for the first time. I can still remember with Steph and I, August 1st, 2003, and the guy who uh, married us off, his, his name is Forced Head, and I still remember him telling me before the ceremony began, he's like, Travis, when you see your bride for the first time, it will be a moment you will never forget. And he was absolutely right. And I think God does that on purpose. I think he ingrained within my mind and framed up for me this image of seeing Steph for the first time and that I would hold on to that for the rest of my life in order to remind me of the exclusive and unwavering commitment that we had made to each other. So in light of what our eyes captured and were captured by on that day, I think a critical component to ongoing intimacy in our marriage is to continually develop eyes only for each other. And as we look at the Song of Songs, you, you think about some of the words that are used to describe their relationship. It's very strong language. For example, Song of Songs, chapter 6, verse 3, says, I am my beloved's and he is mine. Or you look further in chapter 8, verse 6, put me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. A seal speaks of permanence, belonging, and security. Like I'm never going to forget you, move on from you, or replace you. Or Song of Songs 6-4, a garden locked is my sister, my bride, a rock garden locked, a spring sealed up. There and within the Song of Songs, the woman is oftentimes depicted as a garden and the man is a spring. I don't think any interpretation is needed there. However, what is it communicating that is so important about exclusivity? Well, this is ultimately a private garden and spring, not a public park and fountain. We belong only to each other. So I want to challenge you men in particular, don't settle for the garbage that's out there somewhere when you have a garden at home with your wife. So protect the exclusivity of your marriage and rejoice in the wife or your youth that you may experience true intimacy with one another. In order to be exclusively devoted to Trav, I have to be intentional about our marriage, but especially about sex and the role it plays within marriage. Because I want to write a love story with our marriage and not simply a roommate story. And so I have to think rightly about it. And that means looking at sex from God's point of view. 
You know, in the Old Testament, God demonstrated the need for covenant renewal ceremonies between his covenant people and himself. He would refer to his people um, as his covenant people, and we know he is the covenant maker and keeper. And so he would remind them of these terms and ask them to recommit themselves to him. In a similar way, um, sex between Trav and I, between a husband and a wife, is an opportunity to remind ourselves of what we mean to each other and to give ourselves to one another as if we're saying every time we come together, I belong completely, permanently, and exclusively to you. Because we're in a covenant marriage, sex happens then from a place of security and vulnerability and intimacy, and sex is necessary for maintaining our covenant. Every time we give to one another, it is our own personal vow renewal service. When I realized the power and the place that God's gift of sex really had in our marriage, it helped me take it so much more seriously by giving it just greater importance and attention in my mind. It's not everything to our marriage, but it is a really important thing that draws us close and makes our covenant stronger by the grace of God. And I want that kind of marriage. So therefore, I want to do what it takes to get us there. And so does Trav. And lucky for us, God made it mutually beneficial. Amen to that. Um, Outside of exclusive devotion, I think another key ingredient to creating sexual intimacy in marriage is for sure tender words. Solomon in chapter 4 in particular takes his time praising the attractiveness of his wife from her head to her feet. Song of Songs 4.1, think about this. How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful you are. Your, are. your eyes are like doves behind a veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats that have descended from Mount Gilead. Explanation, explanation is needed here. Guys, you don't want to tell your wife, hey, honey, your hair looks like a bunch of furry goats. That's probably not going to get you anywhere that night if you describe her hair this way. So what is happening? Jewish women by custom kept their hair up. So to let your hair down was a sensual and intimate move. So she's removed the pin from her messy bun, and the picture is like a movement of black Palestinian goats descending down the hillside of a nearby mountain. It's a great picture. And then Song of Songs 4-2 may be my favorite verse. Your teeth are like a flock of newly shorn ewes, which have come up from their washing. No doubt brushing your teeth and mouthwash can help spark the flames of romance, all of which bear twins, and not one of them has lost her young. Okay, so this sister not only has clean teeth that look good, but she has all of her teeth. I heard David Platt preach on this section of the book, and he received back an email from a man who hails from the great state of Kentucky who said, this verse does not apply in his state. (laughs) I laugh at this because over the past six months, I've had two teeth extracted. Thankfully, it hasn't affected my family pictures with the fam or the fact that Steph still loves me. I'm going to stop right here with the passage. And if you want to, you're more than welcome to read the rest in its descriptive nature. But here's the point. With all these words being used to describe his wife, why? Why take the time? Well, I think it's important. Here's why. Men, when was the last time you took the time to tell your bride how beautiful she is? Or women, when was the last time you told your man that he was just rugged, good-looking dude? I think it's important that we use words. It's vital to creating oneness in our marriage. and No doubt it can bring about life in your relationship. Proverbs 18.21 says, There's life and death in the power of the tongue. Our words to one another matter. They build or they wound. They bless or they tear down. In our marriage, uh, Trav is a words of affirmation kind of guy. He's affected by how I speak to him and what I speak to him. 
And I made a, a vow a long time ago with myself that I want no one to outdo me in my praise of him and in my belief in him. I like to think of him as my QB1, and I'm captain of his cheerleading squad. And if you know me, you know that I'm really competitive, so nobody's going to take that title from me. But that's what he needs. He needs me to affirm with my words. But I need something different. I'm an acts of service girl. In this particular stage of life with many kids and many needs, um, all at home, underfoot, I love nothing more than the sight of Trav with a laundry basket in his arms or the dishes in the sink being emptied or the vacuum running. He can bless me by serving me and helping out or add to my stress by not. We needed to figure this out as our marriage evolved and especially as our life stages changed. I love what our lesson said this week on page 83. All of marriage is foreplay. The quality of our marriage is directly tied to our sex life. The ways we communicate, serve one another, show respect, demonstrate love are incredible investments in our intimacy or not if we choose not to take care of those things. Tenderness goes a long way. You and your spouse might have different love languages than we do, but the point is figure out what speaks love to the other and then be tender and generous. Take the time to use thoughtful and caring words with each other or go out of your way to serve and help lighten the load of your spouse and then watch the temperature change in the romance department of your marriage. Hmm. And then I think lastly, on top of the fact of exclusive devotion and tender words, I think showing grace to one another is, is, is huge. Within the Song of Songs, chapter 5, there's this really unique situation that unfolds where the couple has to learn to show grace. And in this situation, you see Solomon doing that for his bride. Here's what happens. I was asleep, this is verse two, but my heart was awake. A voice, my beloved was knocking, open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is drenched with dew, my locks with the damp of night. And her response, I've taken off my dress. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I dirty them again? So let's review the game tape. What's going on in this encounter between Solomon and his bride? Well, Solomon's worked hard all day outside and it's now evening and the brother's looking forward to a little alone time with his bride. And what does he have on his mind? Snuggle time, right? Um, No. His wife has different plans for that evening. It involves sleep. Have you ever been there before, married couples? One wants sleep, the other one wants sex. <laughs> it's a classic example of differing expectations between a husband and wife. Note, neither is right or wrong in their expectations. It's just different. Yet, with unmet expectations, there is always the potential for conflict. So how do you think Solomon will respond? We break down the door and demand his conjugal rights or we do something else. Understand, they're at a crossroads. And this is a pivotal moment because depending on how Solomon responds will greatly determine the direction of their marriage. His decision will either lead to intimacy or fracture it. So here's what he did. My beloved extended his hand through the opening and my feelings were aroused for him. I arose to open to my beloved and my hands drip with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the bowl. This is so really cool. Solomon reached his hands through the opening and poured out some of what would have been like his cologne on the bolt of the door. In light of rejection, Solomon responded with grace. In other words, instead of demanding his needs get met, he responds in such a way that he places her needs above his own. Philippians 2, 3 and 4 says this, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of the other person. It's easy to read that, much harder to do. 
Yet this is how Solomon treated his wife in that moment. In humbleness and humility, he served her needs, thus making her feel valued and loved. Solomon doesn't see sex as an opportunity to take, but to give. So he sacrifices his own needs in ministering to those of his wife. As a result, this is what happened. It created this longing and desire within her for her husband. It goes on to say this about the Shulamite. And she responds and says, I opened to my beloved, but he was gone. My heart went out to him and I searched for him. She now wants to spend time with him because she feels so esteemed and valuable because of the gracious way in which she's been treated. The grace he extended to her actually led to sexual intimacy in their marriage. Just read ahead to the next chapter and you'll see. So give each other grace and watch what God can do in your marriage and bring it about sexual intimacy. Trust God's game plan for romance. I think you'll really like the results. Showing grace to one another in our sex life has been a learned choice. A pretty basic rule of marriage is that as time goes on, you don't marry one person, but many. Age, kids, sickness, stress, these things change us and often require us to creatively and wisely respond as we rebuild our intimacy, especially when it may have been easier in an earlier season. I think we realized probably at different times that if we simply gave up and let the circumstances of life or challenges of a difficult season win, our sex life together would crumble. Life is hard and sometimes it creates frictions between the two of you, but your marriage can bear the friction of hard times when it's oiled with spiritual, emotional, and physical intimacy. Sex really can become like a glue that bonds you to one another in a committed way, or it can become a weapon and a wedge that divides you. So for us, showing grace to one another has breathed life into our marriage and our intimacy. Grace doesn't mean that we make excuses that deprive one another, but instead we try to choose what's best for the other. So sometimes it means honoring and blessing our spouse regardless of how we feel, Sometimes it means choosing to cheerfully give rather than receive. Sometimes it means tenderly seeking and understanding regarding how we're wired uniquely by God or how our needs differ. But grace is the lens through which God sees us, and it's a beautiful way to view one another. Now, we know that the subject lands differently for all of us based on many things. Some of you might feel encouraged with where you're at in your sex life with your spouse, Some of you might be struggling or saddened about where you are as a couple. We hope most of all to paint a picture of hope for you. No matter how your sex life is going, there is always hope. Things can always get better. It won't happen by accident, but being willing to work on your part of the relationship is a choice that's always available to you. I want to wrap up um, our story just by telling you about a choice that I made two years ago. After our fourth child was born and we got through those really hard first few months, I knew that I was really struggling to be all things to all people, including the kind of wife that I wanted to be for Trav. I had spent a decade of our marriage being pregnant, giving birth, raising little people, all of it blessings from God, but all of it exhausting. The physical demands of that season of life were catching up to me and I found myself feeling like I almost had no margin left over for the two of us. But as I wrestled with where I was at and where I wanted to be, God put on my heart a desire to work on me and my part in our intimate relationship. I didn't get any pressure from Trav. In fact, I don't even think we had a conversation about it. I just sensed that there could be more and that I wanted to do more. I will make a very long story short and tell you that that summer, along with two of my dearest girlfriends who also happen to be moms of four in the exact same stage and age as me, 
we met together every other week to go through really a Bible-based class on sex. It was the weirdest text I ever sent them to ask if they were interested, and it was the easiest ask that any of us ever had for our husbands to watch the kids so we could meet together to do this. It wasn't weird or inappropriate. We knew each other well. We'd been in small group together before, but we committed to giving the material a chance and encouraging each other to be intentional in our marriages. We prayed together and for each other. We studied the word to get our hearts and minds wrapped around God's design for sex and our role in it. And then we put it to practice. And I can tell you today that God blessed that choice in a big way, and it's something that is still really impacting us today. I'm thankful that God impressed on me that this area of our marriage wasn't terrible, but it was worth investing in and doing all that I could on my end to make it better. Because God gave me a vision, I think, of where I hoped we would be someday when the kids are no longer here. Mm -hmm. And I just knew that these are the years that could easily slip through our fingers but I'm thankful that he helped me take a step forward. So I don't know where you are this morning, but I share that to I share that to encourage you to do what it takes as far as it depends on you to care for and nurture this part of your marriage too. Our culture is not an ally for strong, healthy marriages, and I think we could probably agree that it's also not a source for any kind of healthy view on sex. But God has loved each of us first. And it's his love for us that we get to pour out on our spouse so that we can get to the finish line together with our eyes on the prize. And thankfully, we have his instruction in his word to help get us there. So as we end, um, we did this on Sunday, and Trav, I think we should do it again. Would you just pray a blessing over anyone who's listening over this area of their marriage? Because it is so important. Yeah, and I think in closing, you know, Every single story, every kind of character in a lot of ways in the Bible whispers the name of Jesus. And so as you see and think about the Song of Songs in chapter 5 and what happened with Solomon and the Shulamite bride, it's such a picture of Jesus because on the very, in the very place where we rejected God um, because we wanted to do our own thing, um, he met that with grace and the very bolt of rejection was a place he poured out his loving grace through his own shed blood. And so as you think about what God has done for us through Christ Jesus to shower us with amazing grace, let that warm your hearts and condition your life in such a way that you see your spouse through the lens of scripture because we have been loved deeply. And so that will be the keyest, <laughs> keyest, the greatest ingredient for creating intimacy in your marriage. And so let me pray a blessing over everybody. God, thank you so much for the marriages that are represented and re-engage. And we do pray, Father, that we continue to press on and know Jesus and knowing Christ and seeing just the depth of your affection, the height, the breadth, the width, and the length of the love of God expressed to us in Christ Jesus, that that would greatly alter and affect the way we do life with others, especially in our marriage because we have been shown grace to pay that forward in an unselfish manner to love our spouse as Christ loved us. And so thank you, Jesus, for everyone and pray this is a blessing this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.